Hi, this is Dan Bender, executive producer of the podcast Singles Network. Today, I'm excited to present Single Living, a podcast that brings you straight talk on everything that concerns today's singles, including relationships, dating, travel, and financial security. Single Living is hosted by Rich Goss, a well-respected expert in the singles industry. He is the author of eight books on dating and has lectured on the subject in over 50 colleges and universities. Rich is frequently interviewed by the news media, including Oprah, CNN, Fox News, and the Wall Street Journal, to name just a few. And now, here's the host of Single Living, Rich Goss. Today, my guest is Susan Rabin, author of the new book, Lucky in Love. 52 Fabulous Foolproof Flirting Strategies, one for every week of the year. Susan is well known throughout the world as the world's foremost flirt. Welcome to you, Susan. Thank you. Now, I'm told that you once flirted in bed with David Letterman on nationwide television. How was Dave in bed? Well, he wasn't so great because he had his clothes on, but it was a lot of fun. Can I tell you the story? We'd love to hear it. Well, they came to my house, and David came in his very fancy car. My doorman almost collapsed when he came into my house. <laughs> and he came, <laughs> really, he did. I mean, there's David Letterman with his camera crew coming into my little house on East 86th Street in Manhattan. And he came up, and he was very friendly. He looked around my apartment, liked it. It said it's very warm, and, you know, saw pictures of my old boyfriends, my children, etc. And so we started rolling, and it was Anton Fig, who's still there with him, the drummer, and he wanted to teach him how to flirt. He was giving him lessons, and Anton was quite shy. So we talked a bit, and we talked about my first book, How to Attract Anyone, Anytime, Any Place. And what, what everybody knows about David is kind of, you know, I was talking and talking, and then he was interrupting and interrupting, and they did soundovers and, and voiceovers. But then the producer said to me, would you go to bed with David Letterman and Anton? And I said, excuse me, I'm a professional. <laughs> I'm a professional. And he said, no, 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 no. You'll be in bed with his, your clothes on, and you'll be watching, what was it, Dick Snyder at the time on television, or is it Tom Snyder, Dick Snyder? Anyway, we got in bed. There we were, the three of us, myself in the middle, and David and Anton. And Lucky woman started. to have two famous oh, people in bed with you. I was in between, sandwiched in between two great guys. How good can it get? Excellent. I mean, and then we talked to it, and I told him. He was kind of had a cold that night, so he said, oh, I don't know what I'm doing this. I'm tired, and I told him, I'm glad you are, David, because you really got me through my divorce. I laughed every single night. And, you know, he was really a nice, warm guy. They say sometimes he can be testing, but he's a nice guy. And then we got out of bed, and <laughs> that was the end. But I really was in bed with him, Rich. I really was, and it Excellent. was a lot of fun. Now, now I take fun. it when you were interviewed by Oprah, you were not in bed with her. No, no, she's not my type. <laughs> <laughs> and, and how was Oprah as an interviewer? Well, it was it was fun. Uh, we were on a panel, and you know what was really great is that she uh, gave about 100 books to her audience on flirting, and they had to pick four. And my book was selected, How to Attract, which, which was my first book. Right. And I went on as a panel, and she asked me about flirting. And what she did was she sent people out with clues from each of our books. And 
from my book. She sent somebody to the laundromat to pick someone else. She sent somebody to a bookstore, and she used my techniques and was very successful. And, uh, you know, Oprah was nice. Uh, she interviewed me, and, uh, you know, I showed her a couple of things, that I, a card that I gave out that I thought was subtle, and she said to me, subtle? That's not subtle. <laughs> and I said, well, Oprah, this is a big city. It's hard to meet people here. So you kind of have to give out a card, or you have to do what I call rich, the clothes, you know, C-L-O-S-E. you got to do that in the city, or you'll never see anybody again. And I think that's true of most cities or most places. You have to say, would you like to meet for coffee, or can I, uh, can I meet you uh, Friday, can I meet you after work, or can we do this, or something to make, or get the telephone number, exchange cards, something yes. that guarantees you that you're going to see this person again. Now, the and little then, card course, if they don't want to, you know, they won't. Now, now the, little card that you, the little card that you give out, Susan, what does it say? It says, it's hard to meet in a place like this, but I'd really like to meet you. Please call. And, and does <laughs> like that work? It's calling card. Yeah, yeah, do people actually call? Yes, actually they do. But you know, it's the old story. You throw it out there and flirting. You're friendly, you're playful, you're charming. And then if the other person wants to respond, they will. And if they don't, I say my favorite word, next, next. <laughs> N-E-X-T. You know, it's a numbers game. You know that. Yes. It's a numbers game. And if, you know, somebody likes you or likes the way you look, they will respond. And if they don't, they won't. What do you have to lose? Now, where is the best place to flirt, the best place to meet a stranger, would you say? Every place. Every <laughs> place. I flirt all over. And, and I have uh, two, three little hints. I ask a question, an open-ended question, something like what, where, you know, so that they can respond to it. I make a comment, and to me, I make comments into the air. I'm sitting at that bus stop, and I'll say, you know, they're always coming, two buses at once, or they're so slow, or do you catch the cross-town bus? And I just make a comment, and the person responds or doesn't respond. And the last one is a compliment, which is a little more difficult. You have to be careful with your compliments. And then I say, you know, watch it above the neck. You know, that's what they <laughs> No so, butt stuff. Right, so you don't want to get these guys too excited when you first meet them. Well, you know, women are sometimes... Um, sex objects they don't really like that we like sex but we don't like to be sex objects and uh and it starts that way and women i have to tell them men don't like to be success objects so you wouldn't ask them is that a rolex watch oh i love that jag or what car do you have you have another <laughs> car what house do you live in because they see money money gold digger yes. you have to be a little careful at the beginning because flirting is you know just the first step and so you want to maximize that first step okay now what's the second step after you initially meet the stranger on the street well, then you have to have your um, eye contact, which right. is like the peekaboo I see you. Never stare. Stare is an aggressive act. You know, peekaboo I see you, look away. See if you caught their eye. Look again. Look away. The body language, the smile. Of course, the smile is universal, Rich. Universal right. all over the world. And a friendly smile, it just lights up your whole face. And the last one is body language. And I tell my uh, my clients to kind of imitate, mirror, mimic, you know, if they're leaning forward, you lean forward, if they're kind of back, you lean back, if the person's a little stiff, you don't want to get into their space, and kind of imitate their body language to make them comfortable. And so then, so if, know, they cross, if they cross their legs or fold their arms or whatever, just copy that. Right, copy that, but you don't want to copy everything. Now, if he's okay. chewing gum, <laughs> you don't want to copy that, or right. if he's got some kind of tick you know, or blowing his nose or her nose. That, you yes. don't want to copy everything. You don't exactly. want to ape them. But the flattering things, you know, over a drink, you kind of circle your wine glass, they do too. That's pleasant copying. Now, I'm told that women are much more subtle at flirting than men, and a lot of men don't pick up the clues because men are not subtle. Is that true? 
<laughs> no, men, men are not subtle. And also, they're, they're very simple sometimes when it comes right. to women. They, they just don't get it. You know, yes. she was flirting with me. You know, a woman can go to a party and somebody uh, sees another woman. She sees another woman really flirting with this guy, looking at him with the eyes and leaning next to him, maybe brushing some rent off his shoulder and really flirting with this guy. Outrageously. And the guy says afterwards, what? Outrageously. Yeah, well, out, I don't know if it's outrageous, but it's certainly overt, very overt and yes. very obvious to the women in the room. Right. Very obvious. But the man will often say, I didn't know she was flirting with me. What do you mean? She was interested in me? Men don't always get it. But I'm not suggesting that women go over the top because of that. You know, they need to be subtle, but they very often have to do the clothes and kind of have to encourage the guy because guys don't often get it, and they often don't want to seem to be too aggressive. So you give off the signals, you kind of make them feel that they're wonderful and pay a lot of attention to them, stroke their egos, and then when they're interested in you, you let them do the chasing because men like to chase. It's never going to change. Men are the hunters and they like to chase and they like to feel that they are the ones in control and the women are not all over them. Right, but at the same time, there's nothing wrong with a woman initiating contact. They usually initiate. They usually initiate by their eye contact, by their, their um, body language, by the what they talk, by the fact that they pay attention to everything he says, stroke his ego, make them feel good. You know, if good flirts make the other person feel good. You know, it's not all about themselves, I, I, I. So that's what they do. But then sometimes after they've gotten the first meeting or they've gotten the first date, they have to lay back a little and let the man kind of take charge because men need that. They need that for their ego, and they still like the femininity, even though they say, I want an uh, independent woman. They do, but after a while, at the beginning, they like to feel that she's really interested in them, and uh, she's kind of feminine. That's no, never gone out, Rich. Femininity has never gone out of style. All right. Well, now, if, if you're with a shy man, what advice would you give a woman with a shy man? Because he just doesn't pick up the hint. He never asks you out on a date. You know, you're crazy to go out with him, and you're flirting with him outrageously. But, uh, I mean, do you have to hit him on the head with a sledgehammer? Uh, no, but, of course, if you do that, you, you might get the idea. <laughs> <But> <laughs> <I would. laughs> you know, some of them are really dense. Or he's shy, like you said. And there are a lot of shy people in my seminars, I say. I say, how many people here are shy? And about seven raised their hand. I said, you see, they're so shy they won't even raise their hand. <laughs> and that's the truth. A lot of people are shy. So with shy people, you do have to be more assertive. You know, I don't like to use the word aggressive, but you do have to be more assertive and kind of suggest that you really enjoy their company. You lo love the conversation. You'd like to see them again. There's a favorite movie that you'd like to see. And he, since he was talking about politics, it would be wonderful to see Good Luck, uh, Good Night, Good Luck the new Edward Marmoreau film. And you might invite him. You might invite him to a party. You might invite him to a baseball game. You must then take a little charge. And you may have to keep taking charge until he's comfortable because shy people are not comfortable. And they're always kind of saying, what did I, what did I say wrong? What should I do? Am I, am I saying the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? Because they're more insecure. So yes. you have to make the person feel secure. And good flirts will do that. By the way, to the women out there, I don't want them to get a bad idea that I think uh, women should go back to the uh, 80s and be, you know, coquettish and, and not independent and not, uh, not assertive. What I just mean is some women just come on too strong. They may be terrific in the corporate world, but they can't take those corporate skills into the flirting world. It's a different world. 
Okay, now in your new book, Lucky in Love, 52 Fabulous Foolproof Flirting Strategies, one for every week of the year, you mentioned that people should unearth and make the most of the innate flirting style you were born with. What do you mean by an innate flirting style? Well, some people were born friendly and smiling, and uh, you know what I always say, watch babies in an elevator, I say, baby, you were born to flirt, right. they look at you with those eyes. Now, some people are natural with it, they're natural flirts, they naturally use their eye contact, lean in when they see somebody, touch them a little bit gently, are flirtatious with their smile, and give a little bit of a hint of wanting to see and then pulling back. You know the people who are naturally flirtatious. They just have a natural way about them, and they like people, and they're friendly. And then there are people whose style is much more reserved and much shyer, and they have a different style. And people have told me through the years, you can't learn flirting. It's either born with it or not. And that's not true because you can teach people the eye contact, the body language, the way to start a conversation, the not to talk about you, you know, kind of glue your eyes on somebody when they're saying something so they feel really good and that they'll listen to and not talk about yourself. And you can develop a flirting style that makes you attractive. Okay. In your book, Lucky in Love, you mentioned that people should use five simple ways of inviting and welcoming the advances of others. What are those five simple ways? Well, you know, I have to look them up because I wrote this book a while, <laughs> a while sure. ago. What chapter is that? I don't recall. <laughs> but what are some simple ways of inviting and welcoming the advances of others? Well, certainly talking to them is one, uh, one simple way. Um, asking them a question is a simple way. Making sure that you're placed next to them. Here, here's an example. Um, uh, and in my introduction, I talk about this. I went to a, a Museum of Natural History lecture. Now, you look at the lecture, you look at the people, you just don't go plop yourself down. You make a, a designated, predetermined move to go sit next to somebody who's single. You look to see if they're single, that there's not a woman sitting next to a man they're sitting next to, they don't have a wedding band, and you come down the aisle and you kind of trip a little, maybe a uh, magazine falls and he has to pick it up and it happens to be a natural history, history uh, magazine. When you go different places with lectures or places that you know sports, you have a sports magazine. When you right. do science, you have a natural science and you can drop it. I mean, it's like the old drop the handkerchief and some people may yes. say that's manipulated. Well, it's not really. I mean, how are we going to meet somebody unless you make some kind of move? So that's another way that you can do it. And then you say during intermission, they have, a, they have a cafe here. Would you like to have a cup of coffee? Or he says that. One of them says that. But you've got to do something. Your flirting style has to be active, not passive. i tell you okay. how I wrote this book. You interested? Very much so. You know, it was really interesting because I wasn't sure after How to Attract Anyone and 101 Ways to Flirt that I was going to write another book. But I went... Uh, down Madison Avenue, and that's in New York City, and there was a coffee shop there, and I walked in, and a man opened the door for me, which is very nice and very polite. You know, you know that's, by the way, another flirting style, manners. They yes. have never gone out of style, opening a door for a lady, or even a woman sometimes opening a door for a man. And I love that. When a, woman, when a woman opens the door for me, she immediately gets points with me because you it's like so that. unusual for a woman to do that. And it's surprising to me that women don't realize, because they insist on that from a man, it's surprising that more women don't open doors for men. Well, I don't think they feel that, that, that they should, you know. But if yes. they're ahead of you, then they should. You know, I, I think it's rude. Hold the elevator for you. 
Yes, I think it's rude for a woman to let a door shut in front of me as I'm coming into the bank or an elevator. I mean, that's just common courtesy, whether you're a man or a woman, to hold a door open for someone. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. And certainly slamming it in your face is very rude. <laughs> and it's not going to get you a flirt, I can tell you that. But exactly. even an elevator, holding, you know, putting the uh, door open when you see somebody running in, you put it on hold, you know, open it. It's just good manners. And good yes. manners, well, originally flirting was, you know, kind of coquettish and, and good manners and kissing the hand. And that's what flirting was. And they had to flirt years ago because they couldn't hop into bed. That wasn't, that wasn't the society. Uh, right. So we brought, I brought back the ancient art of flirting, even through the sexual revolution in women's lib. That's when I started the flirting. People said, oh, I'm not going to do that, you know, particularly women, you know, I'm, I'm equal. But the flirtatious art is very, very charming and very good manners. And I think that goes through the ages. I don't think you stop that just because you have a corporate job or because you're a woman. I agree with you. I do. Well, now, when you first started teaching flirting to people, uh, in those days, I think flirting was a dirty word, wasn't it? Yeah, it certainly was. You're absolutely right. And I used to do... Um, Lots of seminars, and I'd always have one or two people, oh, that's sexual, that's manipulative, I'm not going to do that, who would do that? And, you know, it's interesting because now that doesn't happen at all. Now people think it's a wonderful art, and they need to get to know people, and they can't do it overtly, especially now because they feel that you're coming on too strong. And now, if you come on too strong, you can wind up right in bed immediately. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that if that's what you want. But uh, most women would like to have a little romance and a little courtship. And so flirting allows that. In the old days, you could flirt and, and you didn't have, it was no serious intent. You knew that. So you could flirt outrageously. Today, you have to be a little more subtle in your manners because you don't want the person to get the wrong idea that you're, oh, he's such a flirt that he's, you know, I'm an easy person, an easy target. But yes. anyway, let me get back to my story. So this yes. man opens the door for me, and I said, thank you. And the restaurant is very crowded, so the waiter said, are you one or two? Because we're standing next to each other. And he turned to me, and he said, would you like to be two? Huh. And I said, fine, that would be nice. It was very crowded. And we sat down. We had a lovely lunch, really lovely lunch. I mean, he was in the field of health, and I know a lot about that. was all my old field. And after this lovely lunch, I finally said to him, and I didn't tell him that I wrote books about flirting. And I said to him, let me ask you a question. What made you say, would you like to be two instead of one? He said, well, I looked at your hat, a crazy, kooky, pink jockey hat that you had, and you had such a wonderful smile that I figured, you know, you'd be nice company for lunch. What do I have to lose? And I said, thank you. And then I was walking home, and I said, oh, my gosh, there are so many stories out there. Stories yes. that people have told me through the years. So I'd like to write a book about the stories. But it's not enough to just have the stories because after the story you have to kind of have a little lesson, you know, telling yes. them what they did right or what they did wrong or what I suggest. So in my book yes. I have little lessons with hearts. And then I was swimming where I get some of my best ideas and I said, how many stories am I going to have? Well, I can't have seven. I can't have ten. It's not enough. I can't have 101 like my second book. That's too many. So I said 52. One Excellent. for every week of the year. And I have a surprise for the people, which I'm not going to tell at the end of the book. There's a surprise yes. ending. So when they All get right. the book, they'll see that. Don't tell them, Rick. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Now, now you mentioned in the book Lucky and Love, decide when to make a move and when not to. When is a bad time to make a move on somebody? Well, it's a bad time to make a move when they're in a conversation with somebody else, 
you're interrupting them, which is a very difficult thing to know when to move in and talk. You have to wait for the conversation, you know, to kind of lull down and then let them turn toward you or move into the crowd uh, with open body language, etc. So when somebody's in a deep conversation, you kind of don't, you know, interrupt them. When somebody's in the athletic club and in the middle of a, a Pilates class or doing something, it's a good place to meet in a Pilates class, but not while they're trying to do the abdominal exercises that are killing them or on the bike yes. spinning or in their, if they're involved in some work situation where they're in the middle of a report you know, they, they don't want to be interrupted. I remember going to one guy's office, and he was writing this report. He was a lawyer, and I guess the brief he was writing. And this woman came in and left, and I said, who was that? And he said, who? I didn't see anyone. So engrossed in what he was doing, happened to be a secretary. So you don't want to interrupt somebody when they're in the middle of work. And you might say to somebody, you know, I'd love to talk to you, but let me do it later when you're not involved. You, ha you know, it's the same thing with manners and consideration. You don't yes. interrupt people at the wrong time. You wait till an appropriate moment. So one of the keys to good flirting is good manners. One of them, absolutely. And you know, charm. That's, I, that's one of my favorite words, be charming. Uh, you know, it's not even a, um, an easy word to define, but you know it when you see it. You know who's charming. Let's talk a little bit. Of, let's talk a little bit about the internet, Susan. Uh, you've written a book, of course, on how to flirt on the internet, uh, called Cyber Flirt. Right. And uh, how is it different to flirt on the internet uh, with one of the dating websites in comparison to flirting with somebody in person? Well, it helps shy people, Rich. I'll tell you that because right. it gives them a chance to compose their thoughts and <clears throat> write back where people, very many people, are not glib like you and I, and come right there with a witty comment or can think quickly. So certainly the Internet is an advantage to them. Um, it's interesting because you get your age group. You know, if you go to a party or a bar or something, you may be with all different, you know, types, ages, types, and so forth. This way you have, you know, at least most of the time, some people are not honest on the Internet, and that really bothers me. Oh, no. D don't tell me that. People actually lie on the Internet? <laughs> Why don't we say exaggerate? We exaggerate. Exaggerate. I've had so many men tell me, she said she was thin. She was <laughs> not thin, you know. Or he said he was, you know, she likes, he said he was tall. Well, 5'5 five, five is not tall. You know? <laughs> so there's a lot of exaggeration. There is lying, absolutely. I, one of the things on the Internet that I always look for is when the person is, is contacting me. If they're, uh, you know, contacting me at certain times, like very, very late at night, you want to wonder why they're not contacting you at a normal hour, because very, yes. very many times this person is married. You have to be cautious oh. on the Internet. I, I like to ask certain questions like where they were born, what school they went to, and if the time frame is right and they have the same, um, uh, uh, not ideas, but background as you have then you kind of get to know it. So you kind of have to investigate. There are some people that actually use private eyes on the uh, Internet when they get close to somebody because they want to make sure he is or she is uh, the way they say they are. But I think being honest on the Internet, I think saying things uh, about what you like and what you do and, and not just um, romantic, you know, weekends on the beach and candlelight dinners. Everybody likes that. Who doesn't like that? But if you like mud wrestling or you're into antique cars or you're crazy about having cappuccino in Paris, 
These are the things you want to say to get the person to really know you. And I used to think that you should chat back and forth a lot before you meet someone. I don't believe that anymore because there are so many bills up in, in somebody's mind about what somebody is going to be like after you've written to them a couple of times that I think you should test reality by actually meeting them. Have a short meeting at a coffee place, you know, like Starbucks or, or a glass of wine. And some people have a, a prearranged um date by a friend calling them on their cell phone right. and then they can either say I'm not going to see you later I'm going to see you later so they can even get out of this if they don't want to then stay any longer but I do well, believe I, I've actually heard that what women like to do sometimes is devote one day just to interviewing guys that they've met on the internet and what they'll do is they'll schedule it at a coffee shop they'll be there for four or five six hours and on a Saturday let's say and they walk up to the manager in the beginning and say you know I'm going to be meeting a bunch of different guys that I've met through the internet I don't want you to think that I'm a hooker, I'm a hooker right <laughs> <laughs> right I remember when I used to meet people at this restaurant near me and that was the same thing I said I'm not a hooker really I'm not because after right. a while you wonder what is this person doing well listen everybody's style some people would like to do that and if they are very busy and they don't have have a lot of time. Saturday afternoon is terrific. And, you know, my favorite word, next, next, next. Exactly. It's a way to do it. Um, I think that when you meet somebody and you make the eye contact and you do the flirting, you kind of know within the first, I don't know, about eight minutes, like the speed dating, that's pretty fast. That's yes. totally judging on the way somebody looks. And that's something that bothers me too, uh, Rich. I think maybe it's younger people that it's or it's Hollywood, they think that the bombs are going to go off, the sky is going to fall, and the physical attraction is immediate. Now, I'm not saying it isn't that way. It is very often. But a lot of relationships grow out of giving you time, meeting in the workplace or at the gym, where you're really getting to know the person, and you get to like them after a while. It might not have been a person that you would immediately say, oh, I could drop dead over this person. Mm. So, you know, it's a little unfair in a way to meet somebody for eight minutes and make a judgment. But I think what I believe is if it's a real negative, you know right away. But if it's kind of in between, I like to give them a second chance. And maybe yeah, even a third. Judge we're all too judgmental, aren't we? Aren't we too picky? Absolutely. Absolutely. What I tell my clients is write down ten things that you really like in a person, cross out five, and if you get the top three, you're lucky. <laughs> I mean, we really are. We're too fussy. You know, we want everything. And when we're younger and gorgeous or handsome or successful, we have more of an opportunity. But, you know, I was just thinking about this other day. You, are, you watch television, you think everybody looks like that rich. They don't. They really right. don't look like that. And it's unfair to young women and young men to think that they're going to meet somebody that's going to look like that. Most of America doesn't look like that. <laughs> and, you know, you have to get used to the fact that a person is attractive, but they're not going to be dropped dead. I was just watching Tab Hunter's story on, uh, on television today. I mean, he was gorgeous. How many Tab Hunters yes. are there in the world? So you have to kind of give people a chance. I like to give people a chance. I have the third strike rule. You know, once you try, second try, and third time you're out. And that works for your, you to them, and it works for them to you. If, if they don't call by the third time, forget it. Move on. Right. It's a numbers game. Any last, 
Yes, do you have any last-minute uh, gems of wisdom for us? Because there are so many millions of single people in the United States. I think they say that there's 84 million singles, and at least half of them are shy. So we're talking about over 40 million who desperately need some help in this. Any final flirting strategies that you want to reveal to them? Well, I think the second uh, obstacle to flirting is rejection. And I have a whole chapter on rejection because you can't take it seriously, and most people do. And I try to tell them to just kind of pretend that that other person is somebody they don't really care about and have a conversation with somebody they don't really care about. And that way they can not feel so serious about it. Many people get mute when they see somebody that's attractive. They can't even approach them. And so they have to learn behaviorally to be able to talk to somebody, not to take rejection personally. My nine out of ten rule, I love that. You put down nine no's on a piece of paper and one yes and you keep crossing out the no's and you're getting closer to the yes. You know, rejection is also a numbers game and you just have to realize that if you're going to be out there and you have to be out there, that part of it is that you're going to be rejected and person doesn't even know you and they're rejecting you. That's why you shouldn't get serious about it. And I like to tell people to rationalize and project. Say, oh, that person doesn't understand me. They're not too smart and they don't like my sense of humor. Take, make an excuse so that you feel better. I know as a therapist you're not supposed to do that, but in the single world it's important to do that. It's a number Okay, day. Susan. Yeah, Susan, we've got to wrap this up. I want to thank you for being our guest. Susan Rabin, the author of the new book, Lucky in Love, 52 Fabulous Foolproof Flirting Strategies, one for every week of the year. Her website is schooloflirting.com. Make sure to tune in to her website. Thanks again, Susan Rabin. Too. Thank you very much, Rich. Bye-bye. My pleasure.